Welcome, Switched On crew. Dan here with today's signals around the game of self-domination by Natsune Oki. A great quote from Natsune in the episode, we place a lot of conditions in the name of ambition. Come join us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Today, we have Natsune with us. She's the author of The Game of Self-Domination, host of Life Up Education TV, and executive director of a professional management company. Welcome, Natsune. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Can you give us a bit more background about yourself? Yeah. Thank you very much, Dan, for having me today. I'm really excited as well. Uh, my name is Natsune. Um, as, as you introduced, I'm a host of Life Up Education TV, and within the same domain, I have a book called The Game of Self-Domination. Should I go on to describe what the book is a little bit? Sure. Like, real quick? Yep. So the book talks about how someone can create mental transformation in three different phases. The first phase exactly talks about creating momentum in life, and then building up on momentum is all about emotion. So it has nothing to do with your logical thinking. It has to do more with like building up the emotion that enough is enough. You have to like make a change, right? So we'll talk about that, um, how you can make that moment. And then the second phase, we start talking about uh, now perseverance, which is harder phase than the first phase, because once you commit to a goal, you have to keep persevere to the goal, right? And then hard things happen. So this is the phase a lot of people fail, uh, specifically because they meet a lot of rejections. They meet negative self-doubts, negative self-talks, like things like this. So we'll talk about how you can overcome that. And then the third phase, finally, we start talking about the definition of success and happiness. Because up until now, this point, we've been talking a lot about let's redefine the definition of failure but we didn't look closer into what is success means and what is happiness means. And it has not necessarily have to do all with the monetary uh, motivation. So in the third phase, we really talk about what, why are we here for? And it gets a little bit philosophical, uh, but I think that's why it kind of adds um, deeper layer than all the other self-help books that's out there um, because we really dig deep into it. So that's, that's the, overall summary of the game of self-domination and I'm also the managing director at the company called Foreign Connect which is a Tokyo company. I help Japanese companies to launch and expand businesses in America. Wow that's great you uh, sound like you have a really full plate. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> when I was reading in the uh, you know your profile and some of the information uh, before one of the mm -hmm. things that struck me was you know, how to create the unbreakable self-love. Uh, yeah. you, you talk about that. And I, I definitely you know, want to explore that a little bit with you and hear your, your view on that because in uh, you and I talked a little bit in the pre-show, but, you know, seven years ago when I started to transform my food equation, mm -hmm. I actually had to dig deeper and realize that the very, very root of everything was a lack of self-love. I just didn't really love myself and I was hypercritical of everything about me. So I actually had to dig really deep <laughs> at a recreation of that before I could get to some of the other stuff. So would love to hear a little bit of your 
of your insight on the how to develop right. the unbreakable. And I, I touched about this in a very first phase when I spoke about how to build up momentum in life because you do need desperation, so to speak, uh, as you said, desperation of like, like this is enough. I have to make a change, right? But you also have to have an inspiration uh, because both are the two factors that basically motivates you, like psychologically, right? Um, and I guess I have to tip a little bit into your upcoming question, actually, um, which was going to be, we, we spoke about what it is, so I know. But I think this is one of the things people get it wrong. Well, I, I don't know if wrong is the wrong term. Um, it's one of the things people, I guess, misunderstand, like what self-love should be, where a lot of people tend to have this condition uh, as to say, like, I would only love myself if I'm this or that. Like they right. place condition. Like for example, I think this is also a generational trend, especially for millennials. Millennials, like when. So I found this social media post where basically this woman, I think she's a Miss Universe or whatever. I don't know, but she she's presented herself like that, and she was saying like you are beautiful, you're brilliant, you're smart, you're blah, blah, blah. And this is a wonderful thing to say. But my following up, up question to that was, what if I'm not? What if I'm not beautiful? What if I'm ugly? What if I'm fat? What if I'm not brilliant? What if I'm not smart, right? Then what does that mean? Does that mean that I cannot love myself? What, is, what does that mean? Does that mean that I, can't, I am a failure? Like, what, what does that mean, right? And I feel like people are sending a wrong message as to, educate people you are these things and then otherwise you can't love yourself like that um that became their default thinking into like what if i'm not meeting these criteria what does that mean and no one's actually talking about it however in reality not everybody is brilliant not everybody is beautiful not everybody is all these things right so i think there's a broken formula there uh, sending a wrong message in, uh, because in practicality, like everybody cannot be something that they wish they are, right? But what is that going to leave us to? Shouldn't be hatred. Shouldn't be the courage to love themselves regardless. Right. And then when they have the courage to love themselves, regardless of their damages, regardless of the package that they have from the past, regardless of whatever food they are, like that's your stand like first line that's your starting point because you're not coming no longer coming from scarcity but you're coming from abundance yeah. so your your start line is already abundance where you say look i mean i want to better myself i want to be this and that but along along this journey i know that i'm going to face different difficulties and challenges but i'm going to always be there for me because even if I'm scarred, even if I'm damaged, I'm, this is my damage. This is my scar. Right. And I'm not going to let anyone to tell me that this is unlovable. I love myself, right? So that's how I kind of describe what love should be, um, unconditional love should be. And I think when you start, when your start line is starting from that mindset, your journey is much more fulfilling your journey is much more, um, and most importantly, you can be more more resilient into fixing yourself. 
Yes, yes. It's uh, it's a great point you're making. And I know that so many of all of us uh, struggle and are struggling with that, especially in today's showy culture where everything is, you know, presented in a certain way. But the uh, the wonderful thing is we all have our soul's purpose and everybody's purpose is uniquely yours. And <laughs> if you don't get hung up in that, then you can actually really fulfill it and 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 have abundance in the way you were intended to have it. So I I love that, you know, distinction you're making. Mm. On the um another question I like to ask is um I think in terms of signals, we all get signals coming into our lives all the time and some sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. And mm-hmm. I find that you know a lot of us start down our journey because we listen to a particular signal. And I'm curious with you on your, on your writing and on your pursuit and, and kind of this whole path, was there yeah. one particular signal that came in that said, okay, I'm going to go down this path? I, I wouldn't call it one signal. I think it's just the accumulation of different things. I think my absolute fundamental core motivation of why I started everything that I did was my ambition to want to create contribution to society or contribution to the humanity. And I guess in that speaking, I guess I, um, there was a critical time in my life. Yes, I, I guess <laughs> coming back to your point, I guess, yeah, that was a signal. But uh, basically what made me who I am today um, has to do a lot with this time of my life where I decided to work in this like startup tech startup environment more to, uh, to be more specific. And I got to meet a lot of brilliant like tech entrepreneurs, like, you know, small to mid sizes starting up phase of the companies where, you know, the atmosphere of these companies are like, everything is possible. And they were right. believing in the vision of technology, like tech, the impact of technology in humanity. Like, right. So these leaders are looking at technology as something truly powerful. And then they were really uh, seeing themselves making contribution to the society or to the humanity, the capability of humanity using the power of technology. And that really thinking influenced me in terms of how I looked at my success. Uh, because until that point, like I, I think it was a lot more blur for me, what the definition should have been. And I was just kind of following what the society teaches me, which is like monetary success. Right. But really at that critical time made me realize, like, I care about people. Like I care about people more than money. Um, so I wanted to find out what that means for me to make contribution to the humanity in the way I can make and then in the way I'm good at making. And then that made me to Life Up Education TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's neat. That's great. The, yeah. uh, sounds like you were blessed to be in a good situation there to get a good exposure to a lot of, uh, neat inputs. So the, mm-hmm. um, so in the, you'd alluded to our pre-show discussion a little bit, but I, I'd like to talk around, you know, are there three or four key things that yeah. you think people, you know, have a misunderstanding around the game, uh, the game that you uh, write about? So maybe you can take us through a few of those. Right. So I think the first one that comes in my mind is the one that I just spoke about, right? 
um, where you know self-love should be unconditional because that puts you in the abundance state. And I think extension of that is like less ego, more empathy is another one that comes to my mind because you know when we look at success once again like my definition was broken before like i told you but i think a lot of today's definitions still predicate on that on like ego and the opposite of ego i would say well being high on the ego i would say is suffering because suffering is you obsessing over you right like suffering doesn't doesn't um exist if you are not obsessed over you because you understand that you're part of the bigger thing and then you understand that there are people outside of you who's not suffering from your pain (laughs) then your pain is kind of softened but anyway so you know so when we speak about the definition of happiness and success like a lot of our success the ambition of success predicate on ego egoistic motif where you know we misunderstand what love is. Love is unconditional love, for example. It's not about dominating. It's not about making something of yours. But if you love something, you should instead appreciate and appreciate the beauty of the subject you're loving. And so you don't have to dominate it. Right. right? But I feel like a lot of people get it wrong. Like when they love something, they want to dominate it. They want to make it yours. But that's not that's not healthy approach. That's very egoistic approach. But instead, what you should do is recognize the beauty of it, appreciate it, respect it, right? And I think it also comes from the fact that I'm from Japan and I have this like a Zen sort of way <laughs> of upbringing. Um, but I, I think that's really like, healthier and better way to look at what love should be um less egoistic more about just appreciation being present right and i think that's very important when um you are you have to jump on the journey of chaos where you you know your ambitious journey puts you through in different hard uh situations and then by you having this obsession over your ego over yourself makes you could make you vulnerable but rather if you have the you know right healthy amount of distance to who you are your happiness versus like your ambition it actually helps you to navigate through the journey in a more healthy way um third thing let's see i think self-awareness comes to my mind i guess lastly um and self-awareness like it's it's something that you have to consciously do, you know? Like, you have to consciously ask yourself who you really are. And I think a lot of people, I guess, have a romance, and then there's practicality. When I say romance versus practicality, um, there's a difference. I think peop- a lot of people ha- romanticize what it should be in their life, like your brick Brooklyn, so to speak. Like they have this image of what they need to be. But true self-awareness is not what they need to be. Like there shouldn't be a force. Like there's also practicality. So you really knowing, like breaking that romance of like what it should be versus like what you actually want to be, like it's critical 
if you really want to be happy, like you shouldn't romanticize what it should be and then feel guilty almost, so to speak, of not achieving it. Yeah. Versus like you really recognizing with the practicality what you feel actually happy about. Like it doesn't have to do with any pressure of like why, what you should be, but versus like you really knowing what you want and how much of what you want. And I think a lot of people miss that how much part. A lot of people have a broader idea of like what they want, but they don't actually understand the quantification of it. Like what does that mean, right? And then I think when you can even quantify how much of what you want, actually like there's a gap into your romance and practicality because in romance without the quantification you just kind of throw random like you know dream out there of like you know it's gonna be so much big right right (laughs) but then when you actually break it down quantify of what you really want like really align with your what you are comfortable of, what you think is realistic, everything like that, things all of a sudden seems a lot more achievable and also um, have more tangible confidence of you um, being able to achieve it. So I think people kind of stop at the first phase of what they want, but they forget to actually looking at it from practical perspective of what they actually want. If that doesn't make sense, it does. I think that's something I talk about. Yeah, no, and I actually wrote a couple of quotes down in there. I liked your quote on the uh, the journey, the journey on the road to chaos, and mm, you know, it's, awesome. really, it's really an interesting thought because we do kind of get on that conveyor belt of just one thing after another, and then you you start looking around and you're just in, immersed in chaos, and you you, you can't be very self-aware you can't really you forget who you are you know you get in in that chaos so i i really like that uh oh awesome (laughs) the other thing that you mentioned that really struck home for me was um on my own journey Mm -hmm. i had to you know uh, another podcast guest said a great line they said it's um from competition to cooperation mindset and mm-hmm. I'd never quite thought of it that way, but I had a really competitive mindset uh, for way too many years. And it, and it was everywhere. It was the way I drove. It was the way I ate. It was the way I worked. It was the way I, you know, athletics, everything was this competition mindset. And when I shifted to a cooperation mindset, unbeknowing, I really didn't define it that way until I heard one of my guests define it. And I'm like, oh, that's it. But that cooperation mindset really um, helped settle me down to then drive to the self-awareness that you're, that you're referencing. So really, uh, really brought, brought home a good point for me. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I was the same way too. Like I think uh, as a Japanese person also, especially that um, I have always been very like out there. I mean, to be a Japanese person. <laughs> You gotta understand, like, the culture is so different, too. Like, American versus Japanese. And I think a lot of people saw me as, like, an extreme person because I I needed, like, super high stimuli for me to feel some sort of way, right? So I was always, like, 120% on everything I was on. Like, I'm always, like, 120% in. 
Um, and I think at some point in my journey also, I recognize, or I guess I gather different insights and, um, yeah, that definitely kind of like shifted from me always being hungry for stimulation, like extreme stimulation to understanding and appreciating, um, things as they are. And I'm not in a thirsty for gross, like super ambitious. Well, I am ambitious, but super ambitious, like state all the time, 120% all the time. Right. Like I, that, that was me like years ago, but I think over time I kind of changed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's neat. Uh, I've yeah. really, really similar, uh, <laughs> myself. Yeah. you know, one, uh, another YouTube I had listened to, which I was so thankful for people putting information out there, which is why I'm doing it now. Cause I feel like mm -hmm. I gotta, I really want to give back, but she mm -hmm. had given me a good mindset on driving. Cause that was really a, a place where I just always wanted to go faster and never mm -hmm. could settle down. And <laughs> like, you know, think of the person that's just cut you off or that's weaving in and out of traffic. Think that they have a family emergency or somebody in their car is having a baby that they have to get where they're going. So don't get angry at them. Let them let them do whatever they're doing. They're not doing it to you. They're doing it for their reason. Mm. That subtle shift helped me a lot. All of a sudden I was like, oh man, that person must be having a baby. And I'd let them speed by and I wouldn't get angry. But it, it was a fun shift uh, in the process. Mm. If... Um, if you were to give people one thing to walk away from today that you, you, yeah. you know, as they go about the rest of their week and they mm -hmm. think back on, wow, I, I spent this, this 30 minutes and, and I took away one thing. Uh, what would you sure. say? Um, I think, um, I want to promote two things. It's very hard for me to choose. <laughs> okay. We'll give you two. Uh, <laughs> I think one is everything is your fault. So I think the most evil thing someone can do is taking away someone else's free will. That's evil. And you wouldn't want to do that if you have empathy for someone. Like, and basically what I wanted to say is two different things, but it's kind of connected because, you know, what does that mean if you have a true free will of your own? That means that everything is your fault. All the decision you make in your life is your fault. So it's under your responsibility, right? Uh, because that's your true, true will. Uh, but at the same degree, it should require two size efforts where, you know, so everything is your fault. That's, that's you. That should be the default of you. But also what I want to expect to the society is, I want the society to be driven less by ego, but more by empathy. So I want people to treat each other with empathy. So instead of teaching them what is the right thing or wrong thing to do, I want people to have empathy toward other, each other, one another. That way they wouldn't make a decision based on, uh, they, they purposely would choose decisions that doesn't hurt someone else. Right? So everybody can treat each other with empathy and i think for us to really make a better society <laughs> i i have this point because the last few days i've been watching criminal minds <laughs> and then <laughs> 
And then I was like, the whole time I was thinking like, wow, like, you know, when I speak about positive thinking, when I speak about mindset building, like all this is not Lana talk. Like the alternative is that. The alternative is the show, right? Like the criminal minds. Like a lot of them have very unfortunate upbringing and, um, you know, lack of love, lack, lack of empathy. And so these things, what I'm preaching actually matters because it's everything that's opposite of the criminal minds that I preach usually. Yeah. So I, I, I think it matters. It matters that people be kind to each other. And then also you taking responsibility of everything that happens to you is your fault. No one else is forcing you to do anything. But that means that you have the ultimate power of shaping any future you want. But at the same degree, like you need to understand that there's no help coming for you. You have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. So I think this is very important. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, the watching of shows, I've really come to be super careful at what I put in to mm-hmm. my, you know, to my eyes, to my whole, you know, world. But I'll give you a movie that we just watched last night and it was so wonderful, but it was a, um, kind of a documentary about Hari Krishna and it was just phenomenal. Like really, really uplifting. You walk away from it going, oh my gosh, I had no really idea about what the real message is, what the, the, the teachings of love, the way they, they had the kindness and the happiness. Um, phenomenal movie. So if you want to, if you want to uh, flip the switch for yourself, uh, watch, watch that one <laughs> tonight. Uh, no, that sounds great. What was it called? You know what? I'll shoot you a message with the the title. I can't remember, but okay. it was um, it was just it was in Netflix, and it was a Hari Krishna uh, documentary that was filmed in 2014. Um, mm. But uh, really, really good. But I'll shoot you an email. Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun one. Um, Great. Well, our time is winding down. My last question I always wind up every show with is a cauliflower moment. It's a moment where you had a belief about something and then you questioned it and then you found out, wow, I really was believing, you know, wrongly about that thing. And it can be fun or serious, but Uh, what what jumps to your mind? Right. I think, um, I think I would have to come back to the beginning statement. Um, I think, uh, I used to have place a lot of, um, you know, condition in the name of, in the name of ambition. Like I, I, I had always had many, many conditions for me to love myself, but it wasn't doing any good. Now I think of it. I think I should, well, I wouldn't say I should have, but now my mindset is completely the opposite place. Now I love myself regardless of what happened. Like I know that, and that gives me the ultimate courage for me to be who I am in front of someone because I know what I am. I know what I can offer to you. I know what I cannot offer for you. And it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with your demand, like you said. So knowing that really helps me to just be who I am. Yeah, that is a wonderful piece of advice and insight. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm taking that one away (laughs) from, (laughs) from the conversation today. Um, so as we wrap up, how can people get a hold of you or connect with you? Yeah, so I am, um, uh, well, my name is Nasnaoki. 
you can find my book on my website, lifeofeducationtv.com and also Amazon. And I'm on social media under Life of Education TV pretty much everywhere, including TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, that's it. Okay. Well, great. Well, really appreciate the time. Sign off now. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much.